Welcome to the Montana Real Estate Podcast, where we will pull back the curtain and answer all of your Montana real estate questions. Buying and selling real estate in Montana can be challenging, and local knowledge is the key. We will explore the different areas of the state and educate you on issues that play a role in Montana real estate transactions. This podcast is hosted by Will Friedner, a broker with Glacier Sotheby's International Realty in Whitefish, Montana. Now, here's Will with today's episode. Welcome, everyone, to Episode 7 of the Montana Real Estate Podcast. This is your host, Will Friedner, and today we'll be talking about the foreclosure process and bank-owned homes. I will break down step-by-step as to what happens when the bank forecloses on a house, and I will also talk about how to buy a bank-owned house. I get asked all the time about buying bank-owned homes and what you need to worry about when doing so. There is a lot to know and a lot to look out for, and we will cover all that in this episode. First, let's go through how a house becomes bank-owned. If you currently own a house in Montana, more than likely you make a payment to the bank every month. If you have ever read the fine print of the mortgage that you signed when you bought the house, there is all kinds of verbiage about how the bank will repossess the house if you don't make your payments. And if you do miss a payment, usually you'll start getting getting phone calls after the first month from the bank looking for the payment. They won't do anything legally until you are about four months late or 120 days late, but they'll be calling you all the time up up until that point. And all mortgage rules are a little different, but about four months seems, seems to be the norm. So after about four months of this, there will have been numerous phone calls from the bank and letters sent to you. So at this point, it should be no surprise to the owner that they're in trouble and they're, they're risking losing the house. And at this point, After four months, the bank will send out a certified letter to the homeowner to inform them that the house is now in the pre-foreclosure stage and they're going to set a date for the sale of the house. I'm sure you've seen it advertised in the newspapers about the foreclosure sale on the courthouse steps that you'll see if you look in the classified ad, they have to advertise there too. It's part of the law that those are in there. So I'm sure you've seen those if you look through the classified ads ever of the paper. And the date for that sale is usually about four or five months after you get that letter from the bank, the certified letter. So during this time, during the four or five months before the actual sale at the courthouse, the owner has different options. They can either catch up on their payments They can work out some type of loan modification with the bank, or they have the option of selling the house as well. If they can't get the amount that they owe on the house for it, then it goes into a short sale, and that's a whole other episode that we will cover on a different time, but this time we're just going to talk about foreclosures. So during these months, if the owner doesn't do any of these things and he continues to not make payments to the bank, then the bank will foreclose on the house and they take back possession of it. And I talked a little bit about this on the last episode, but as a realtor who worked with bank-owned homes, this is where the realtors become involved. The first thing that happens once the bank takes back possession is that they'll tell the realtor that works for them to go out to the house and see if anyone is living there at the time. If there is someone there, Whether it's the owner or the renter or a renter, they will be offered a sum of money to help them move out of the house and leave it in decent condition so the bank can then sell the house. After everyone is out, the bank usually will hire a cleaning company 
or a maintenance company to go in and get the house ready for showings. If there's a lot of damage to the house, the bank will decide whether to repair the damage or sell the house like it is. Then they will get an appraiser and and the realtor to go in and give them a value of the house. At that point, after all that, they then list the house for sale. Usually the bank will price the house pretty low because they want to sell it as quickly as possible. So as I said earlier, you know, once you go out there to see if someone's living there, if there is someone there, they offer them cash for keys because obviously, you know, they're having money troubles. That's why they're being foreclosed on and they don't have any money to move. So the bank will offer them, you know, I've seen four or $5,000. It all depends on the situation and whether it's the renter or the homeowner as to how much the bank gives. And it depends on the bank. It's all different. And they, they really don't have to give anything. It's just trying to help everybody out to get out of the house and get it sold. Every bank-owned house is a different situation. Sometimes the owners are very cooperative with the bank and they'll leave the house in great condition. Other times the owners are bitter that they're losing the house, so they trash the place. And I've worked with tons of these homes and I've seen it all. I had actually had one house where the people took a screwdriver and punched hundreds of holes in every wall, door, cabinet in the house. And I've also seen a house where the guy had basically 15 dogs living in there for those four months. And I mean, that place was a nightmare. The The landfill was a nicer and more organized than that house. Another thing that happens a lot in Montana is people will move out before the bank actually takes it back. So guess what happens if it's in the fall, the heat gets turned off because they're not going to pay for the heat anymore. And then the pipes freeze and break. And if the water service is still on, this can get really ugly. I had a house once where the pipes broke and completely filled the basement with water. I mean, they ran for two months and there was water all the way to the top of the stairs of the basement. It was a two-story house and the humidity in there, because it sat so long like this, was so bad that the paint was peeling and mold was growing on the top floor. Even if the water's off when these people move out, you're still going to have broken pipes later. So these are some extreme examples, but needless to say, a good home inspection is a must if you're planning on buying a bank-owned home, because the bank or the realtor, they usually have no idea what went on in the house, and you could end up with thousands in repairs if you don't do your homework. And this is what can happen with those foreclo- or with the sales on the courthouse steps. If you haven't been in the house or been able to check it, that's a total buyer beware. You have no idea what you're getting. So if you get to the point of making an offer on a bank-owned house, the bank's going to require you to sign about a 10-page addendum to the sales contract that basically takes the state contract and makes it void and changes everything into the bank's rules. So make sure you and your agent read this addendum thoroughly and understand everything that it says. Basically says that the bank or the listing agent have no knowledge of the condition of the house and that you you are agreeing to buy it as is. And they'll, they'll usually give you about 10 days to do an inspection. And you can back out if you don't like what you find. But again, I can't stress enough, you, you have to do an inspection because you just never know at these bank-owned places. So the big thing that you want to remember with your inspector is to make sure that he che- checks the pipes closely and looks for any mold. The bank, a lot of times, won't allow the water to be turned back on during the inspection. So you may need to have him do a pressure test, which means he just brings a compressor and puts air in the system and makes sure that it, it holds pressure and that tells them if the pipes are broken or not. 
Another mistake I see a lot of people make is that they offer way too low on a bank-owned house. The bank has already done the research on the value and they usually have it priced pretty well. Many people just think, oh, I'm going to offer little or nothing for this house just because it's already bank-owned and the bank doesn't want it. Well, yeah, I had one place that was priced at 225000 and someone offered 120000 Well, come on, the, the banks aren't stupid. If they had the place listed for $120,000, they would have they would have had 20 offers on it within 10 minutes. So why would they sell it to that guy for that price? It just, I mean, you need to think about this when you make your offer. And what usually happens when the when people make low-ball offers is that they're wasting their time and then somebody comes in behind them and makes a decent offer and the bank goes with that that offer right away and the people that are trying to get it for even lower usually lose out. Another thing to keep in mind is that most of these houses usually need some work. So this means that government's lo- government loans like RDFHA, VA usually won't work on these homes. I have seen some bank-owned homes that will qualify for government loans, but those are the ones that sell in minutes. They're gone right away just because so many people are looking for these and looking for a good deal. Like I said earlier, a lot of them, they won't qualify for any of those types of loans, so there's only a few people that are able to even buy them. So there are some there are some great deals to be had with bank-owned homes, but the moral of the story is that you really need to be on top of the new listings that come out and be ready to jump. The nice bank-owned homes will go really fast, and always, always remember to do a good inspection of the home. This can make or break the deal, and the last thing you want to do is buy a money pit that you never recover from. So if you'd like any more information on bank-owned homes, or if you'd like me to send you a list of any of the bank-owned homes that are currently on the market in your area, please contact me, and I will send you the list. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That concludes another episode of the Montana Real Estate Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you will join us next week for our next episode. If you have any questions or would like to know more about this episode, please feel free to contact me at Montana Real Estate Podcast at gmail.com or visit our website at Montana Real Estate Podcast.com. Or if you want to call, you can call me at 406 249 1735. We'll see you all next week. Bye.